All right. Well, tonight I've uh, been asked to uh, share just uh, when we talk about the topic of evangelism and sharing the gospel, specifically with relationships that we have. And came across this in one of Warren Wiersbe's uh, commentaries, and uh, Wiersbe just passed away this week, and he wrote uh, this uh, story in 1868, a very young Dwight L. Moody, who later became the greatest evangelist of the 19th century, led a, led a man named Henry Morehouse fill the pulpit for him at his church in Chicago while he was out of town. And when Moody returned, he asked his wife how Morehouse had done. She said, I liked him very much, but he preaches a little differently than you do. How is that, asked Moody. Well, his wife said that he tells the worst of sinners that God loves them. Moody replied, well, well then he's wrong. The following Sunday, Moody let Morehouse preach again so that he could hear him himself. And here's what Moody said about uh, Henry Morehouse's sermon. He said, Morehouse turned to John 3.16 and preached the most extraordinary sermon from that verse. He went through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, proving that in all ages God loved the world up until that time. I never knew that God loved us as much. This old heart of mine began to thaw out. I could not keep back the tears. He beat the truth down into my heart, and I have never doubted it since. I used to preach that God was behind the sinner with a double-edged sword ready to hack him down, but I now realize that God is behind the sinner with his eternal love, and what that man is running away from is the love of God. When you think about what God's called us to relationally, uh, tonight I would just want to share about that. Several years ago, I wrote a book uh, by Oscar Thompson, and it was called Concentric, Concentric Circles of Concern. And it just talked about each of us have relationships all around us. And he divided up into seven different categories. First of all, uh, that uh, relationship with ourself, uh, that relationship with family, relationship with relatives, relationship with friends, relationships with neighbors and associates, relationships with acquaintances, and then he finalized it with person X. That we have all these concentric circles of concern all around us. You and I all have relationships around us, starting with ourselves and what God's doing in our own hearts spiritually, what he's saying to us, what he's doing in our lives. And I always like to say, I, I, I've shared this with you before, I uh, remember taking Jackson to school and, and one morning he caught me talking to myself and uh, he said, what'd you say? And I, of course I was talking to myself and and uh, uh, I laughed. I thought, you know, I, I'm going to unashamedly tell people that I talk to myself. And here's, here's probably one of the greatest reminders that I've had. The greatest person that I ever preached the gospel to is myself. Just reminded myself of God's love and, and what he's done for us on the cross and all of that. So the greatest audience that you and I have is always proclaiming the gospel to ourselves. Not that we lose our salvation or anything like that, but reminding ourselves in each and every situation that we come into contact with, that uh, the gospel, first and foremost, is displaying itself in our own hearts and how we live that out, how we flesh that out in our daily lives. And then uh, uh, Oscar Thompson goes in to talk about family, relatives, friends, neighbors. So you, you get the idea of that uh, as we, we go about, we have all of these concentric circles of concern that we're to share the gospel with. You and I have the opportunity to have relationships with others in our faith is on the front lines uh, of, of that. In fact, um, it takes courage to love people the way that God loves us and to think about our faith. Have you ever wondered why Paul and Barnabas uh, were so effective 
in the early days of the church that's recorded in Acts, it's because they loved people. They loved people courageously. They loved them unconditionally. They loved them sacrificially. And we see that time and time again in Scripture. And uh, in fact, Matthew 7, verse 6 says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. One of the things that Paul and Barnabas found as they were sharing the gospel is that, uh, and learned through circumstances, is that they're not going to waste the time. When people's hearts are hardened to the gospel, there's no reason to continue to waste your time on them. And that's that Matthew 6 verse, I'm reminded of that. But uh, uh, when we look at Paul and Barnabas and the example that they set forth in Scripture, thinking about loving people like Jesus loved us, loving people unconditionally, loving people with no strings attached. and In fact, Jesus put it this way in John 15, 13, uh, that greater love has no one than this, than he that lay down his life for his friends. That uh, we are to love people with no strings attached, and that we're also to love sacrificially. You and I all have relationships with people that, when we come into contact with somebody on a daily basis, and my prayer would be this for every one of us, that we're wrestling with the reality of that person's eternity. That every person that we come into contact with, that we, that we continue to live in that tension of whether or not they know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I feel like there's a tension in my heart on a daily basis. And some of those things have to do with uh, people's salvation, the people that we come into contact with on a daily basis. I mean, I think you and I, uh, we all have people that are very dear to us, that we love. And Debbie's testimony just now about their family. We all have people that are very dear to us that don't know the Lord and it's on display in front of our families, on social media, and all of that. Uh, a lot of times I think about my brother uh, who's turned his back on his family and abandoned his family. And, and uh, you know, just... We all have relationships of people who are close to us that we desperately, deeply care about and want more than anything for them to know Christ and to, to repent of their sins and just to trust Him and to follow Him. But then we all have acquaintances and other people that we come into contact with on a daily basis. That we, My prayer is that we never find ourselves at ease with relationships of people who don't know, the, don't know Christ. That we constantly find ourselves, and I think that tension that we have, here's, here's some of the tensions that I feel that I live in, is, is knowing people and, and not knowing their uh, eternal story, not knowing their, their eternity, not knowing whether or not they know Christ. And I believe that's a healthy tension that God is using in my heart that I need to intentionally be sharing the gospel with them. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in a little bit. There's another tension that I feel like I live in that I don't think is a bad tension. And, and it's as we go out and as we, um, and I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak uniquely from my job perspective that uh, you guys have uh, blessed my family with us being able to just look outside of these doors at our community and be able to build bridges into the community, and how is it that we can share the gospel? The other tension that I live in is this, is that the things that we're doing, are they making an eternal impact in somebody's life? 
I wrestle with that on a daily basis. That the, so when we go to feed teachers at Wayland Bonds for lunch one day, are we really making an internal difference in somebody's life in doing that? There are a lot of number of other things that we do as a church family, and that question's always in my mind. In fact, I sat in the superintendent's office one time, and, and I told him, I, you know, they were asking something of me, and I said, well, I will be glad to, but I, I said, I want you to know first and foremost that my priority is for people to know Christ. And that tension, living in that tension, and, and uh, as I was talking to them as believers, uh, I was also reminded of this since then. God says, Jim, I want you to live in this tension, and I want you to live here, and I don't want you to feel bad about what you're doing, because here's what we're doing. We're relationally, we're building relationships for the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're building relationships for the purpose of open doors to be able to share the gospel. I think about just the last 24 hours of conversations, and you think about your last 24 hours of, of things that we have in common with people, the conversations that we get to have. And, and I think about uh, uh, just this morning, uh, praying with one of the teachers and praying for a friend of hers who's sitting in a hospital, praying for her dad to, to, uh, to be not, not to be in ICU, to be healed, and, and, uh, and thinking that God doesn't hear her, that God hates her, that God doesn't love her, and, and uh, to, to think about that. Or last night when we had Southridge Junior High uh, called last week and said, hey, we got uh, uh, the storms last week. Uh, they canceled all the evening activities for more schools. Can we use Emmaus uh, this week? So last night we had all of Southridge Junior High in here. All of our front lobbies torn up. You guys are getting to miss out on that tonight, but it was all torn up, but they were able to go in, and they were so thankful. And my prayer is that, is that even as we use these facilities, every square inch of this property is is for the purpose of, of the gospel, for the purpose of building relationships with others, for the purpose of uh, giving us opportunities. Here's where the tension is, where I feel that we may miss it. And when I say we, I'm mainly pointing the big fingers at me, okay? That Jim be intentional with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's not putting all of these relationships in front of us just to be good people. There's a reason that God has put us here at 160th and Southwestern in this neighborhood for this time, and it's to be able to share the gospel. And I want to just uh, share uh, a few things about that. And I, I think, be reminded, our faith is, needs to be on the front lines. And as believers, I don't think that we're called to walk through life and people are wondering whether or not we are a follower of Christ. I believe that our faith needs to be on the front lines of who we are, who we are called to be, and this world that we live in. And also, I believe that, uh, just as I shared earlier, that we're to follow the example of Paul and Barnabas, that, that we're to love people unconditionally. We're to love sacrificially. And one of the things that I've found, and you guys too, we, I think we all live in this, is that building relationships with people for the purpose of the gospel and, and, and sharing Christ, is it takes a lot of energy. Uh, it's inconvenient. And uh, we need to be reminded of that sacrificial love that Christ gave for us, that we as believers, here we are, we've given, been given the greatest message in all of the universe that God loves each and every person.
But here's, here's, here's the beauty of the gospel is, and here's, where we're, here's, the, here's another tension I'm going to share with you. We're, li- we're living in a world now that it's, that um, it, I think it used to be, for me, growing up, uh, the church, I heard this statement, I think it was Henry Blackaby that said this, the church has been guilty of teaching people what they shouldn't be doing instead of what they should be doing. And I feel like I lived, I, I kind of grew up in, in an era like that. I saw that displayed in the church, that we're going to, you don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I mean, anybody agree with that? Anybody felt like that before in the past? We don't do this. Instead of, this is who we're called to be. This is who God, God is in our lives, and we're working, um, uh, we're growing in our relationship with him. So we, we've gone from that extreme, and now here's the, ex- here's the extreme that we're living in of the tension of being able to share the gospel with our neighbor, with that concentric circle of concern, those that we come into contact with, is that uh, there's this freedom that, our, that the world wants. And it's a freedom to be able to do whatever I want to do, whatever I think is right, whatever I think, whatever I want to do is okay. And that's the world that we're communicating the gospel with. And so the tension is, how is it that we're building a relationship? How are we building bridges into that tension to be able to, to share the gospel? And uh, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than he that laid down his life for his friends. There's a sacrificial type of love that looks out for the best interests of the other person no matter what their gain or loss is, no matter what our gain or loss is, that we're looking out for the best of every person. Somebody's going to think, I have the freedom to do whatever I want to be able to do. And I can live here, and you cannot judge me. In fact, Owen said it Sunday morning best, that one of the great verses that people want to memorize is, you can't, you know, don't judge, least you be judged. I mean, people want to throw that into our face. They, they want to live that. This week, um, we're going to talk about another one of those Sunday morning from Matthew 7. But I think that there's this, this tension. We, we, we live in this era, this time that people are wanting freedom. And here's the beauty of the gospel. Does God love them? Absolutely. Because does God want a relationship with them? Absolutely. So here's, here's, here's the tension that we get to live in. And I feel like this is a good, healthy tension, and I pray that we every day are learning how to kind of live this out uh, daily. Is that, uh, uh, that we have the opportunity to be able to speak truth through relationship. It's not them versus us. That we have the opportunity to be able to speak truth through relationship. Here's where one of those things became real to me is when we went up to Calgary for Easter weekend, and um, I was hoping for an opportunity to talk to Pastor Chris because we got there Thursday, we got off the plane, and immediately went and grabbed something to eat and went to uh, set up for their Good Friday services. So there were three or four churches that were coming together to do Good Friday services. So Thursday night, we were setting all of those up. They were doing rehearsals. We were setting everything up. They live out of trailers. <laughs> they do, so piling everything in. And uh, so everything was set up, and Chris and I just kind of sat off to the side, and he just kind of opened up. And he said, Jim, I, I just wanted you to know uh, uh, 
I, I felt like he felt there was some type of expectation because we're one of the sponsoring churches uh, that are uh, kind of helping them. I feel like God's put us in a position as a church family where churches like Multiply Church can stand on our shoulders and we get to kind of help prop them up as they get started. And so, Chris, I could see the uneasiness of, you know, Jim, I want you to know we're, we're only running about 60 people. He said, in fact, we were running more and I had several people leave. And, and so he started talking about that. And he said, uh, I started sharing truth from the scripture and I started sharing hard things. And uh, those people immediately, they just checked out that they'll never come back to see us again. And he said, and I was reminded of this, that, yes, we're called to speak truth. But he said, I, for, I forgot an element there that I, I need to work on. And that's building relationships with people so that I have the platform so that they know that I care about them as we speak about hard things, as we speak about truth. And, uh, and I told Chris, I said, Chris, I want you to know, do not feel any pressure from us as a church. Don't feel any pressure from me. Don't feel any pressure from us as a church. We want to pray for you. We want to support you. And we're excited about how God is using you here in Calgary. So I'm not worried about who's walking away. And the very next day, Friday, we had Good Friday services. Saturday, we had an Easter outreach event. We had three to 400 people, if not more, come through there uh, for the outreach. And um, everybody wants to go do an Easter egg hunt in Calgary. And I think it was the only Easter egg hunt in Calgary. And, uh, and God just gave them all of these names of families. There's, there was no way. Last February, when we were there, it was incredibly difficult to, to meet people, to engage the community. And so here, all of a sudden, the Lord's just given them 300 names of people that have just registered for an Easter egg hunt that they can start following up on and, and all of that. We went door to door, and, and uh, it just I felt like this last time God really opened up doors. But the, the, the tension there that Chris was talking about was the importance of building relationships as he speaks truth. And I think that's a great reminder to us as we share the gospel, the importance of relationship. It's easy for us to point the finger at somebody and say, they shouldn't be doing this or this or this. That goes back to that old church has been guilty of teaching people what they shouldn't be doing instead of what they should be doing. And here's the opportunity that we have to be able to live in this tension and to be able to reflect Christ, to be able to share him and to build relationships, that importance of building relationships. Paul says... Uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. 1 Corinthians 13 starts out, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am, an, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. In fact, John Stott, in his book uh, on preaching, Between Two Worlds, he likens Christian communication to building a bridge from the scriptures to the contemporary world. And I, I just wanted to encourage us tonight, as we're talking about evangelism, and, and, and I want you to know, as a staff, we're praying through this. My, my heart is broken for us right now as a church, and I, and, and I feel like it's in a good way. There's a healthy brokenness in that uh, and I'm going to ask you guys to pray. We're asking people to join uh, us on Sunday mornings at 8.30. Different groups are coming in to pray. But praying for God to move in people's lives. Praying for God to be at work in people's lives. Now, 
we don't want to do anything forced or hokey or anything like that, but we desperately want to see God at work in people's lives. We desperately want to see God at work in this community. And I pray that, that each of us can be reminded of that healthy brokenness to be, God, this is only going to happen because of who you are. And that we would be faithful and obedient in sharing the gospel, that we would be faithful and obedient in doing that. You know, one of the things that they talk to missionaries about, and I think we as a church need to be reminded of this, is contextualization. Miriam, you probably have been entrenched in all of this as you go into Moscow and all of that. But contextualization, understanding your surroundings, understanding everything that happens. And I uh, came across this illustration about... Uh, if you were to build a, a, a bridge and, and uh, you had a large boulder that was in, a way, in the way, you wanted to get rid of that boulder. First, you drill a small shaft down into the center of rock. Then you put explosives down into that shaft into the core of the stone and you detonate them. If you drill the shaft but never ignite the blast, you obviously will never move the boulder. But the same is true if you only blast and fail to drill. You put that blast on the outside of the boulder and, and you do that. You... Uh, you fail to move that boulder. You fail to break up that boulder. Putting the explosives directly against the surface of a rock fails and does the same thing. You will simply shear the face of it off, and the boulder will remain. All drilling with no blasting or all blasting with no drilling leads to failure. But if you do both of these, you're going to remove the rock. To contextualize, to understand what that is, to contextualize with balance and successfully reach people in a culture we must, enter, we must both enter the culture sympathetically and respectively, similar, similar to drilling and confront the culture where it con contradicts biblical truth. Tim Keller shared this uh, in his uh, book, uh, Reaching the City. And just the reminder of us at, at Emmaus, uh, God didn't call us to this church to 160th and Southwestern to hide from our community, to hide from society. And I don't see us doing that. But he definitely didn't call us into just being uh, in holy huddles where every person that we know is a believer. And we think about this, one of Jesus' greatest uh, complaints against him was that he was a friend of sinners. And you and I have the opportunity to be a reflection of who he is in our concentric circles of concern. I pray that every one of us know sinners around us. And I pray that every one of the, us love them as, as Christ loves the church. I pray that every one of us are loving them and caring about them sacrificially and engaging them with the gospel. I've asked uh, Farshid to come and share in a in a second, I'm going to um, have him share here. But uh, just to let you know, remind you, uh, as a church family, one of the things that we're doing with our mission money is we're coming alongside Fashid and we're supporting him. Uh, so I just want you to know, as a church family, every, you know, I've said this before and we'll say it again that every dollar you give, a portion of that is going to mission money. And a portion of that, we've, we've partnered with Henderson Hills and Edmond to help uh, support Fashid here locally in our community with sharing the gospel with Muslims. And uh, we're, I, 
one of the things that I really believe that God's continuing to call us to is to harder places, whether that's us individually and to more into to to relationships of people who desperately need Jesus or uh, that's congregationally into our community uh, or around the world. And um, so Fashid, their church has relocated to Henderson Hills. Uh, they'd been meeting at Cherokee Hills Baptist Church. So we'd been working with Cherokee Hills and Henderson Hills. And so they've relocated their church to uh, Henderson Hills in Edmond. And Edmond has a huge Muslim population. In fact, we, before we even knew this was going to take place, I'd talked to Henderson Hills asking them to pray about, you know, us partnering together to do this and introducing Fashid and, and uh, their missions pastor, Mike uh, Wall, came to me and said, Jim, do you know, do you know what uh, our greatest need in our uh, Route 66 ministry, it's a, a benevolence ministry they have there in Edmond, he said, our greatest need for translators is in Farsi. Uh, Fashid speaking Farsi. And um, so... I just want you as a church family to know that the money that, that you give, and when we talk about missions, one of the things that we're doing is coming alongside Fashid and supporting him. So he's spending a couple of days a week south, um, going into Norman, meeting with students who are asking questions. Um, I want you to know there's a, a huge presence here in South Oklahoma City of uh, Muslims, and, and the opportunity to to love them, once again, not pointing the finger, you're wrong, but to be able to come alongside them, to love them and engage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. She's going to share a testimony here of something that happened this past week, and I look forward to you guys hearing about this. Thank you. Wow, praise the Lord. Ephesians uh, uh, chapter two, uh, 2, verse 10, uh, Lord says to us that he has called us for a great plan that he has for us. So we are, have been called for a purpose. About two, or three, uh, two months ago, I was uh, doing Bible study with uh, some of the students that I'm sharing with them, and my phone ringed. And I picked the phone up and I answered. I usually don't do it, but I feel like I have to do it. So I apologize and I say I have to take this call. I answered it, and on the other side, uh, it was a lady introduced herself, and she said that she's married to an Iranian guy, and he's not feeling good. He's hospitalized. He has, he's been fighting with cancer, brain cancer, for more than three years, and doctors, they have given their hope, but they haven't given hope on her, on him. And they, she asked me if I would go and share the gospel with him because he's not a believer. His oldest son is a pastor in Virginia. All his family are believers. But the first time that I met with him, he said that he doesn't believe in God and he doesn't want me to pray for him. I said, well, I'm going to pray. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep doing that. And I find out that he's from my dad's city, actually. And in my dad's city, which is the name of it is Mashhad, we have a native language. And I start talking in that native language with him. And he, he was shocked. <laughs> he doesn't have any Iranian friends. He's been in the U.S. for more than 57 years. 
It's just amazing how Lord is working. I start to having that fellowship with him. His wife was keep asking me, did you share the gospel with him? I said, when the time comes. <laughs> he knew that. I, I, I introduced myself to him. I said that I'm, I'm a pastor. Uh, I serve the Iranian community over there. And he knew that I'm a believer. But I didn't want to immediately jump on it and unless that Lord lead me. Sometimes I do that. It depends how Lord leads me. But for Jafar, uh, I read it and I share with him more and I talk with him. I find out that what he likes because of his uh, sickness, he couldn't have uh, certain foods. Uh, but I, know, I knew that he likes baklava, <laughs> which is very sweet and he has diabetes. So I talked with his doctor I said, is it okay if I give him a little bit of baklava? <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's okay. You can give him once. <laughs> so I started building that relationship with him. And between my talks and my visits, I start sharing the gospel with him, saying the verses, saying to him that God loves him. But whenever I ask him, can I pray for you? He would say, no, I'm not in the situation that wants you to pray for me. And I would say, okay, I'm praying. <laughs> I will start praying and I leave. Then until about three weeks ago, uh, he said to me, I don't want you to come. Please don't visit me anymore. And he was very upset. There was times that I used to go and he would ignore me, but I would just sit by his bed talk to him or read the Bible or say a verse to him or pray for him. But that day, he was asleep when I went, but he opened his eyes and he asked me not to go anymore. And when I shared with his wife about that, she said, well, he's been saying he doesn't want to have any visitors because he feels bad that he cannot react or have a conversation with them because he couldn't talk. It was very hard for him to talk. But without him knowing, I used to go, especially whenever I go to, on Tuesdays, I come to visit the students. On the way, I used to stop there, just go behind his room, sit there. There is a couch over there. I used to sit there and pray for him, and then I would leave. And then uh, last Tuesday, when I did that, I just felt that I have to call his wife. So I called her and she said, would you please go and visit him? I said, yeah, sure. I, I was just there actually, but I didn't went in. He said, no, he's been asking us to someone come and pray for me. I sent my pastor and his uh, two other pastors there, but he doesn't want to talk with them. And he's been asking, he's been saying that I know I'm dying and I'm scared. I don't know where I'm going. I'm very alone. I'm very lonely. I'm very scared. I said, sure, I will go. Next day, Wednesday, after I was here, which was last week, I left here and went there, and I went inside. She said that he's not responding anymore. He's not talking. It, the brain has grown so, so much that has uh, so much pressure on his brain. The tumor that he hardly can even stay awake. As soon as I went in and I said hi, 
Jafar, he opened his eyes. I said, and I started talking with him. I said, I'm, I, I'm sorry I didn't come. I didn't say, it. you told me not to go. <laughs> uh, I said, I, I'm sorry I didn't come. I missed you, but I was in prayer for you. Me and my wife, every night we are praying for you. And um, I'm sure that Lord uh, going to give you peace. And peace, don't worry. And I s just tried to talk with him. And he responded very nicely. And for first time, he started saying a few words, especially in Farsi to me. And then he asked me if I'm married. I was shocked. All this conversation all of a sudden comes, and he's vague. And he's alert. He's answering to me, uh, and he's responding to me. I said, yes, I'm married. And I showed my uh, wife's picture and my kids. I saw you saw my Sam, because I, sometimes I used to take Sam, my, my son, with me, to, so he would see a kid. It would encourage him. Uh, I, I told him that you saw Sam, I'm married, this is my wife, and she made the Qurma Sabzi for you. I took, he loves Qurma Sabzi. So I took Qurma Sabzi for him once when uh, my wife made that food. It's an Iranian food. And he was responding, he was smiling, and he was vague. And I said, is there anything that I can do for you? Can I pray for you? He said, no. <laughs> so okay, I'm not going to pray, but I'm going to pray. Is there anything that I can bring for you? He asked for pistachio. I said, sure, I will bring you pistachio. I will bring you baklava also next time that I come. So I went. And as soon as I left, I felt that I have to call his wife. So I called his wife, and I let them know what happened. She was shocked. She said, today, I tr we tried to even feed him. He wouldn't open his eyes. I said. I'm going to come back on Saturday, and I want you to be there. I want you to be there. I want his uh, granddaughter has, has come from Canada. She was here for a week. I said, I want her to be there, too. And I went home, and I said to my wife, I want you to be there. I, all this, I feel like that they all need to be there. I knew something is going to happen. I even had the dare to say to them, I'm going to share the gospel, and I believe he's going to say, he's going to give his heart to Lord. So Saturday, we all get ready, me, my wife, and my kids, and we start going toward normal. It's like 40 minutes from my home to, the, to their facility. On the way, when we were coming, I texted her and I said, uh, I wasn't driving, my wife was driving. I texted her, and I said, we are on the way. And she called me. She said, no, Fashid, don't come. I said, why? What happened? She said, he's asleep. He's been tired, and he's asleep. He's not going to respond. I said, well, we are on the way. I'm going to come, and I'm going to just pray for him. But we are going to come. She said, OK, if you guys are coming, then we will stay. I said, that's fine. And I went, and as soon as I entered the room, he opened his eyes. He was awake. Jackie, she was shocked. She said, we were here for like three hours, and we couldn't talk with him. He wouldn't open his eyes. And I started talking with Jafar, and I 
said, I'm, uh, I'm here, my wife is here, I introduced my wife to her. You know, when the Lord puts these things in my heart, I ask Lord for a sign. So I ask Lord if, if he wants me to share with him, let him say it to me. Ask me, say something to me or do something that I would know is, is your will that you want me to share the gospel with him. And after a little while, uh, seeing my kid, my wife and everything, I was trying to uh, give him some water and he said, no, he doesn't want it. And I said, can I do anything for you? He said, I saw a dream in Farsi. Would you pray for me? <laughs> At the same time, my wife was translating for his wife and his granddaughter. They were all in tears and crying. I don't know how I just jumped on the other side and I hold his hand. I said, I would love to do that. And I shared from John to, for him, John 3.16. And I went through the verses and I let them know. I said, Jaffar, Lord loves you. He has a great plan for you. You're going to spend eternal life with him. You're not alone. He says in his word that he is our shepherd. And in valley, in dark valley of death, he doesn't leave us alone. You belong to him and he wants you. Are you willing to surrender your life to him? And guess what? He said yes. Said, so do you accept it? And I went to the Chupu, prayed with him and share, and he confessed and he gives his heart to Lord. There was times in these travels going and coming, and may Lord forgive me. But even during uh, the time that he told me I don't want you to come, I said, Lord, why? Did I throw my pearls away? You know, Satan always tempts us and wants to steal what Lord is want to give it to us. You know, each time that I came and I visit Jaffa, it was at least two hours. And Jim knows I don't have enough time. <laughs> I have so many things to do. I seek times. But there was reason. There was reason for my wife to be there. There was reason for his wife to be there. Lord has a great plan, and we are a very small part of his plan. And he wants us to be available for him all of a sudden, anytime that he calls us. It's just so wonderful to see that smile on his, on his face. I, I said to Jackie, I said to my wife, I'm willing to give all my life for that smile. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Fasheen. <coughs> and uh, yeah, here's uh, Jafar's family. Uh, be praying for their family. And uh, Fasheed, you were also about to travel to Turkey, correct? So uh, Fasheed and his family have all recently got U.S. 
U U.S. citizenship within the last eight months, six months, eight months? Well, my, wi my wife, she got it earlier than me, but I got it three months ago. Yeah, three months ago. So now, and and uh, when you go to Turkey, what days are you traveling? Well, we're going to leave on uh, May 25th, and we'll be back on June 28th. Okay. And how long has it been since you've seen your mother? 15 years. Yeah. Get in to see his family. And your brother? And his yes, there. my older brother and my youngest brother, they're coming and their families. Please be in prayer for us. I mean, Lord will, if we make that trip and if Lord will, if we get to see them. I, I'm, I have a dream and I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to save. So, um, uh, especially my family. I'm praying for my youngest brother and his wife, I'm praying for my mom. Uh, they've been following me and they've been liking my posts, so that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so thankful and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but there's a lot of people they're waiting and uh, I keep hearing that uh, from brothers and uh, my friends that are serving our Lord uh, in Turkey that uh, they're waiting for me to come because even though that I have left Turkey for 10 years still whenever they want to talk they give my example it's not me it's all about him I try my best to follow my Lord and try to be an example and we're going to close tonight by praying for him, but uh, before we do that, just want to share a couple of things as we do that. Uh, as they go and travel, um, they're going to be, you're going to be doing some training of believers who are coming in from uh, coming uh, together. Fashid has an uh, internet ministry, uh, so he's sharing the gospel uh, with people in different places of the world, and they're coming to meet with you and uh, be doing some training there, discipleship, and uh, we get the opportunity to pray for them but also just the, the fact of the family reunion that's going to get to take place. Uh, if you've not heard Fashid's testimony, I'd encourage you, uh, you know, that uh, we'll, we'll have him back another time uh, to share his testimony, powerful, powerful testimony of coming to the Lord. But for you and I, with what Fashid just shared, lots of great reminders that uh, God has called us to share the gospel with relationships around us. Sometimes it's going to be inconvenient. Sometimes it's going to be rejected. And I pray that we would just simply be faithful to who God is to us, that he loves us unconditionally, the relationships that God's put us in, that we have the opportunity to, uh, to share the gospel and, and to, to make him known. And, uh, uh, and just think about it this way. Think about having conversations with other people about the gospel. You and I have grown up in a time where we talked about learning a presentation. I want us to change that terminology, and that's been changing in the last few years, that we're having conversations around the gospel. A presentation starts in our Christian worldview. It assumes they have some knowledge of the Bible. It focuses on the lost person as a sinner. It's effective with people with a church background, and it fo focuses on an immediate decision. But you and I having gospel conversations, it starts with what, where they are. And starts with what they understand, what they think about the Bible. I think uh, one of the great diagnostic questions I ever heard is, in your personal opinion, what is it that you understand 
it takes for a person to go to heaven. Just you're, you're getting to learn their faith journey, their faith story, and, uh, and assuming that they don't know the gospel, and it uh, uh, focuses on um, uh, who God is, and, and, it, and it's no matter what their church background is, that we're getting to have conversations with people. And you and I, I pray that we all have people that we are intentionally building relationships with the pur- for the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, Fashid to, to come back, and, and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to invite us just to kind of come and lay hands on Fashid here as um, he uh, uh, prepares to go to Turkey. I had asked him, you know, sometimes when we're talking about some of our missionaries in the Middle East, uh, that uh, we can't share names. In fact, I just got an email. We're going to, if anybody's interested, we're headed to Amman, Jordan in October, and uh, we'll be going to work with some missionaries out of Dubai and other places in the Middle East, but specifically the email said don't use the missionary word or prayer word or anything like that. So I know we have to be cautious of that. When I, I love it when I ask Fashid, Fashid, is there anything that we need to be cautious of as we mentioned you're going to Turkey? And he said, no, Lord knows I know where I'm going. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so Lord willing, uh, uh, just God would use you there in Turkey. So I'm going to ask all of us to stand and uh, just gather around uh, Fashid here. And we're going to close in prayer here uh, tonight and uh, praying for him and his ministry. Praying for him here in South Oklahoma City, Norman and Edmund, that God would use him in the metro here and uh, his family. And, and then as he prepares to go to Turkey. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you now and thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for prompting our hearts and prompting us to go and to tell the truth so that those who don't know you may see that their eyes be open, that they learn that you do love us, God. You sent your only Son to die for us, that we we can have eternal life with you and be saved from our wretched sin and I just pray that you will uh, use Rashid and his family in whatever way that you can and that when he reunites with his family God prepare their hearts and give him a, a welcome homecoming with them and let him share your love and I hope that hearts are saved and souls are going to be with you for eternity thank you that we can come alongside him and help and help us to continue to pray for him when you prompt our hearts we love you it's in your name we pray god amen all right god bless you guys have a good evening